Hello, everyone out there in Twitter land. Is it a Twitter land or is it Twitter world? Well, it can be either one. I was going to say Twitter world, but hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Writer's Block. This week, we will be talking about overriding and underwriting. Jake is my co-host. My name is Brandon Morehouse. This is Jake. How's it going? I I can never say your last name. How do you say it again? Flukiger. Flukiger. I always want to say like Flukiger. Like close (laughs) enough. Close enough. Whatever. (laughs) We are the hosts of this show. As always, this is recorded. You can listen to it at your earliest convenience on any podcast network. And if you'd like to join in on this discussion, please make sure to hit that mic button in the very bottom left corner of your phone and you can join in. It's that simple. Brian says it's the Twitterverse. It's the Twitterverse. Okay, okay. Well, good on Brian. So, as always, I have to hit Jake with... Well, Jake, let's start off with... How's your week going? Um, My week is going pretty well, actually. I really wish that I was doing more writing, but I've been doing a lot of volunteer work, and that's been good, too. So, overall... It has been a good week. How about you, Brandon? I mean, good on you for volunteering. That's a choice. That's uh, a choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my week hasn't been bad. It could be better. It could be worse. I, uh, you know how I do my editing. I have this. I have a um, my um, what? You have your, I have your sheet basically. Of... I have my sheet, and it counts all the edits I need to do or suggestions for all the works and I just I'm going through it and it's now Brandon just I know you're gonna I was like I know we didn't get to talk before the show today so I'm like a little just so people have an idea of your sheets like how many edits do you have on one of your works in progress Uh, (laughs) I love that you're hinting at that (laughs) Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. The the one with the most had um, 779 suggestions slash comments slash edits that need to be done. And I just want everybody to realize and recognize that these are 779 edits that Brandon has assigned himself. (laughs) Yes, that's. These are not like a beta reader went through and did everything. These are edits that Brandon has assigned himself, which I am so proud of him for doing self-editing. <laughs> it is a huge I, deal. I mean, it wasn't that many. I'm, I'm getting through it. We'll, it we'll wasn't that it. many. <laughs> we'll oh, dear. Eventually, right? eventually. So that's, that's, that's moving along. I mean, when you're working on three different, I'm working on four books right now. I'm beta reading for one for somebody, a chapter, and then I've got my three that I'm working on. I have you have that's how you have to stay organized, right? Like you just have to. You do. You have to stay organized. I will totally agree with that. Very organized on that. It's a lot of work. So yeah, that's how my week's going. So very nice. Yeah. So I Jake, I I there's two things I want to do before we get into this conversation. And one, I'm gonna embarrass myself. Okay. I was, I was <laughs> I am all for you embarrassing yourself. That sounds I brilliant. <laughs> mispronounced a word the other day. And Jake, I want you to tell that story because I, I was so embarrassed that I said that. And I was like, oh my God, that just okay. came out of my mouth. So Brandon was reading me a paragraph. And in this paragraph was the word, what, Brandon? Well, I thought it was. I I read it and went mild dude or something like that like and Jake goes you mean mill dude and I'm like no it's my oh he totally like not even joking he was like mild dude and I'm like what <laughs> I had no idea what he was talking about and then he spelled it out for me like spelled out the word and I was like oh I just I lost see all credibility as an author at that point as a writer like i was like oh shit like 
It honestly was hilarious. It was so much fun. It was a half a second of a brain fart, and it just gone. Right. So yep. there's my there's my embarrassing moment. I don't mind them. I think they're funny. <laughs> I love it. Um. So, but now we have to do our normal procedures where I get to throw Jake on. You know, on the spot, and this one's pretty mild. I will say that. Jake, what show did you see for the first time this past week? Okay, so this is... <laughs> Growing up, I grew up in a very religious household, and there were only certain shows that we were allowed to watch. That was anything educational and Little House on the Prairie, basically. Um, and some cartoons, depending on if they were nice in the cartoons. But... I was definitely not allowed to watch The Simpsons. <laughs> and yes. <laughs> and my sweet nephew Braxton has been coming over to our house um most of the time very very unannounced. He only lives two doors down, um but he just walks in the house whenever he wants to and half the time we don't know he's here. Um, and he plops himself down on the couch and he watches The Simpsons. And so I actually like watched an episode or two with him. Um, and it's a pretty funny show. And I know mm. a lot of people are going to be like, uh, duh. But <laughs> for me, at least, it's, um, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a, a new first. experience. It's a, a new <laughs> It's a new experience. I mean, the show's been around for 33 years. It, I mean, it's kind of standard. The scary thing is, The Simpsons, when it was first originally designed, was supposed to be like, this is the average American family, right? Yeah. And now you look at it and you're like, Jesus, this, they live off of one income. They've got a four-bedroom house, two stories with two cars. Like, the dude is like no longer middle class. That's not middle class. Like, Nope, it's not middle class anymore. No, that's just unfortunate. So, but let's move on. That was a good good little joke on both of us. I'm glad you enjoy it. I love this. I love this. And here's the thing. Like, it's not like I haven't caught little snippets of it over the years and everything. And I do get some of, like, the like classic catchphrases and everything. But for me, it's a totally new experience and it's kind of this interesting storytelling thing, uh -huh. um, which is this just a very, um, a very different perspective because they usually start on one topic and end on another. Um, and I, it, it, I don't know. I'm still adjusting to it. <laughs> Takes a minute, right? Takes a minute. And I and I do want to point out, because anybody that's a regular listener knows Jake is not a cursor. He does not curse. Oh, I cursed this week. I totally cursed. Uh, like I totally dropped the F bomb. Um, because Brandon's writing was just so dang good. It I didn't even hear it. I missed it. And I was on the phone with him. We were FaceTiming. And he said it. And I was I finished my reading. I was like, what'd you think? He's like, you didn't hear me curse. And I was like, what? No. Like, I, are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah. And I was like, oh, what'd you say? Like, damn or something like that? He's like, no, I said the F word. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. So, ah! so <laughs> out of character for me. And so I was, you know, it was good writing. I was really impressed. Well, this is what we do. We, we learn, we grow, right? That's what we do around here. So I think we should get on with, uh, with our topic at hand. Let's not bore everybody with just us two chatting. Again, if you'd like to join in this conversation, hit that mic button and jump in. So Jake, what is overriding? And then we'll go into underwriting. Overriding is just basically just what it sounds like. You're... And, and here's the thing. It can be in a, in a couple of different, um, I, I guess, a couple of different ways that you can look at it. Um, so let me start with this. Overriding and purple prose are different things. Um, but purple prose is a type of overriding. 
Um, purple prose is when people are using uh, words that are not necessary that kind of take you out of the story. Okay. Um, and then overwriting um, can basically just means that you are getting so caught up in your writing that you are forgetting the story, the plot itself. Um, it's kind of hard to follow along because uh, there's you're you're being too wordy, I guess is a way to put it. So like if you're over explaining something that isn't necessarily needed for the story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, so you can have like um, extra scenes that might not be there, or you could have extra characters that might not need to be there. Um, Brandon, you have a story that has a massive cast. I mean, it's um, seventeen characters. That's not that big of a cast. <laughs> mer, 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 mer. <laughs> um, but for a lot of people, that many characters would be like way over the top. Um, and, and I know people that, that write and every single individual that happens to come into play as part of the story, like the grocery store checkout line person ends up being a character. Um, and so we have this kind of idea where it's, it's just going a bit too far. <laughs> okay. Um, sounds like Jake has some dogs barking in the background. I so know. They're driving me nuts. I, I, here's how I visualize overriding versus underwriting. And I heard this today and I was like, wow, that's a really good analogy. You have two cupcakes. One cupcake oh. has um, too much frosting on it for the size of the cupcake. The second cup, that's overriding. Okay. I've never ran into that issue, so but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> never too much ever frosting. Frosting. The, sec the <laughs> second cupcake doesn't have any frosting on it. So it's that comparative of this is too much, this is too little. And I think I heard that and I was like, wow, that's a really good easy explanation in my opinion. Well, and that's a great explanation for overwriting and underwriting. Uh-huh. Like I and underwriting are, is like when you get beta readers reading your stuff and they're like, um, you need to flesh out this character. You need to flesh out this scene. You need to flesh out these other pieces. Um, there, there's so little there that it's kind of hard to grasp the story just as much as if there's too much that it's hard to grasp the story. Right. So what, we'll go on to underwriting in a little bit. So at, for as overriding, is it, is it better to overwrite? And like Jason brought this up in the comments, that's what the editing process is for. You can trim that down. Is that is, so is it better to start with an overwriting and then make your way down or is it better to underwrite and then make your way up? So I really think that that boils down to being a personal preference for authors you know there are those authors that are going to stylistically um underwrite and they know going into it that they are going to have to flesh out things because twenty thousand words does not a novel make um and then there are going to be the writers like jason does it um I, I definitely do it usually on first drafts where I totally overwrite. There's so much stuff in there that I just toss in. Um, and you have to take in, pair that back quite a bit. The problem is, is when authors run up against the idea that their writing is not over or underwritten, and they think that what they have produced is in line with um, kind of standards. Okay. Um, so that can be an issue. So, so no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say there, it's so hard when you're starting out as an author to know the ins and outs, the ups and downs and everything that you're supposed to do and not supposed to do. 
Um, and every author really has to find a path that works for them. Now, that being said, there are so many resources out there, such as beta readers and other things that we've talked about, that can help you understand where your book falls um, or where you as a writer falls um, kind of on this spectrum. Um, I know that a couple of authors here that I have done some beta reading for um, have uh, been asking about cutting words and how to kind of tighten up scenes. Um, and the, the problem that a lot of authors run into is the fact that they don't know how to self-edit once they have overwritten. I think it's, it's just, it's hard, right? Cause that's like, I tend to, I tend to overwrite on a first draft. Like I, 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 cause then it's for me, I find it easier to cut it back. Like, is this actually relevant to the story? No. And I see that a lot in first time authors where you want to build this kind of this whole backstory, right? Like you want to tell this, well, this is what's happening and this is why and blah, blah, blah. That's, it's not that it's not relevant to the story but you can do it in a better way and kind of hint at things that oh well you don't have to explain this whole like if there's a war there's a previous war you can hint at a war you can say well this war happened but some authors will tell this whole war and this is what happened and blah 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 I don't need to know that for this story and you can sprinkle it through we don't want to do an info dump we definitely don't want to do an info dump absolutely and you speaking of that, Brandon, the big thing kind of to remember is you as the author might need to know the information, but that doesn't mean that your reader needs to know the information. And that right. is kind of a rule of thumb that can help you with overwriting. Right. Um, I know that not everybody here writes specifically in fiction either. Um, and I think that a lot of people who write in nonfiction have to be very careful to um, not beleaguer the point um, that they are trying to make as they are writing um, more scientific or personal histories. Uh, even memoirs uh, can, can be such a struggle. Um, I know there's a couple authors in here that do memoirs. Um, and choosing what to include and what to leave out can be such a difficult thing um, for authors to decide. Like, really, what constitutes overwriting for those that are, you know, um, getting in there with a, a nonfiction or their own personal story. Right. And I think one thing I want to bring up, because um, I do see it a lot. And I want to hear. I want to hear your opinion on this, Jake. Is with overwriting, um, sometimes we as authors, and it's such a it's such a tricky. You need to write to the your target audience. You don't want to use language and verbiage that's beyond their realm of understanding uh, too much. Like here and there, fine. But if you're using um, words that someone wouldn't instinctively know that is in your target target audience, be very careful with that. Because I've noticed in some that I've read, where I'm like, I don't know what this word means. So now I have to go look it up and you've pulled me out of the story. And I think that slows it down. Um, does that fall in that category of overwriting? Um, yeah, and that can also kind of fall into that category of purple prose. Okay. Um, it, it can, anything that kind of takes you out of the story um, can, can be an issue, obviously. It doesn't always have to fall into the category of overwriting, but knowing your genre, knowing your target audience, knowing the age group that you're writing for can help you um, really kind of navigate that. Um, mm -hmm. I have a friend who is working for the first time on a middle grade um, kind of pen pal, um, pen pal-esque, project and she is really struggling she is like i do not know how to write in the voice and with the vocabulary of an 11 year old boy 
And I'm like, well, obviously, because you're a 39 year old female who is a mother and <laughs> that can, that can be difficult um, to kind of jump in there and say, okay, how do I write this? And so a lot of the things that we've been kind of critiquing, she's, she has overwritten and she, the great part is, is that she recognizes that and is willing to make changes and cut things back right. um, and rephrase things. So, right. uh, Kathleen, go ahead and hop on here. Hi. Um, I just wanted to say that when I was writing my memoir, I left out three full chapters. Um, because I kind of felt like those chapters were, now I could call it overwriting. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I didn't know what the name of it was, but in my gut, I felt like it was information coming from a different spot, but it was still saying the same thing. And I felt like I had already said it uh, through another character. Um, so, as I look back, as I went back, it was really hard to leave them out because it was important to me. But what you just said about was it going to be important to my reader? Right. Uh, and and so I left them out. And, you know, my book was still 370 pages long. So, <laughs> you know. Do you, do you feel like looking back now that that was uh, a wise decision? Do you Are you happy with that decision to leave those pieces out? I Yes. I I am, but it was a really like maybe three week decision. <laughs> you know, I, I tossed it around. I talked to my husband about it. I talked to the person that was reading uh, my book um, as I wrote, and and then the final decision was just mine. I said, nope, I I have to leave it there. Maybe I'll write another memoir <laughs> and it can go in there. But it, it just felt like it was too much in this section of the book and it had to be in that section of the book. So um, I, I was glad with my decision, but it was I, a hard one. I, I think you bring up a very valid point. You trusted your instincts and yeah. it, it, it paid off. And I do want to take a moment and congratulate you because I saw your pictures this past <laughs> week and that was awesome. I'm so proud of you. And I know you weren't the most comfortable with taking those pictures and doing all that, but that's great. That's such a good way to expose yourself as a, a writer. So good job. Thank you. It went 10 times better than I thought it was going to go. And I met lovely people. Um, I sold a bunch of books. I gave a couple books away. Um, the program was supposed to be six to eight. It went from six to nine fifteen. Uh, there was wonderful discussion about the topic, and um, I, I met great people, and I have two more engagements to come now. Oh, my gosh. I love it. I love That's it. Awesome. I love it. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Brian, hop on here. It's been a while. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I kind of feel like um, like both of you were speaking right at me since both of you have read my work. Oh, no. Uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> But uh, I did want to start off by saying that, Jake, you're not the only person who was forbidden to watch certain television programs when you were younger. Yes, uh, I'm so when, glad that I'm not alone in that. <laughs> well, it's, well, you're, you're going to laugh when you, when, you hear, when you hear which one I was not allowed to watch. My father would not let me or my brother watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Seriously? <laughs> Seriously? Seriously, because he thought it would turn us gay. Well, oh, no, isn't that uh, ironic? Isn't is it, that it, I know, I know, <laughs> and I hope he's laughing with me about this in heaven. But I'm like, Daddy, <laughs> <laughs> guess what? Um, I he didn't want you to turn gay, and as he hands you like the military GI, no, 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 oh, no, he oh. wasn't, he, no, no, oh. he wasn't that, he wasn't that kind of puppet. no, no, <laughs> um, um, no, um, he was not overly masculine or yeah nothing like that at all no um however um one one interesting thing i found uh have used to avoid overriding at the beginning of nonfiction is to give a reader 
pages 50 to 75 maybe and ask them to read that as if that you know just give them that chunk and say what do you know and what do you not know as as a result of reading that material and if it turns out that they know enough that you just spent the first 50 pages explaining then you can cut those first 50 pages basically um i sent over um pages 50 to 80 or something like that to a reader and she was like yeah you need to start here and get rid of everything that that comes before it and it, it kind of killed like you know Kathleen, I hear you. It, it killed a little bit inside of me because that first chapter was so fucking beautiful, but <clears throat> but um, it went, and uh, a couple of other things, a couple of other pieces went away as well. Um, as a result, um, knowing your audience—you uh, both touched on that—is very important. I know that I write at a very different level. Um, I know that that uh, I write, write with a very different vocabulary, and then it can be challenging. But that, but I have to remember some people, you know, I'm, I have a, I have a very specific audience in mind. Um, and so. And I love Brian. I love that you are so clear on who you're writing for, uh-huh. because that makes such a huge difference as a writer, um, especially writing nonfiction, especially writing memoir, because you have this very, um, clear vision of what will fly and what will not. And I think that also helps uh, immensely with the overriding. Well, the other, the other thing that, that came to mind is, is that my the, the person who write, is my writing mentor is that, you know, there are moments in your, when like even in the sex scenes in this memoir where you just take us into this little bit of purple prose and it's just a touch and it just makes everything so much funnier all of a sudden, <laughs> uh, because, you know, because I was, frequently, you know, for example, I was just trying to find a way to talk about somebody, the, the, the size of somebody's um, uh, male piece. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, I didn't want to go with the cliches, you know, big dick, whatever like that. And I, I think I, the phrase I settled on was penile dimensions. And <laughs> my... My mentor was in hysterics. I said, "Keep that, keep that. That 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 has to stay in there." Uh, I personally love that, Brian, because <laughs> and and having read your memoir, there are those spots where it shows so much voice, so much of you, um, <laughs> that are just wonderful to read. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so yes, Jake. Um, sorry, I was distracted there for a minute. You're good. Uh, looks like uh, I was reading through the comments real quick. Uh, I don't know. There's not. I mean, J- Jason sounds like he's on the beach. Lucky him. Uh, right. So let's go into underwriting. Okay. What is? I mean, what is underwriting? Underwriting can be um, still very, in, in so many ways, it can be so much harder because you have to add in so much material and to go back through and to um, work through scene by scene by scene, adding material that is not just there to be added. It is mm-hmm. material that is necessary for the story. Um, and that includes emotions character development that includes um just even even big things like plot points um underwriting can be crippling but for some writers it is how they get the story out there as succinctly as they possibly can right and okay. for that it works um, i mean I, you, you got to do what works for you right like yes Finding how you best write. So with underwriting, I think a big thing to pay attention to is um, something that can help you begin to write, uh, to to not write underwriting or overwriting. 
to so you don't get that far though is to really focus on the scene having five senses um really helping your reader to be grounded in a scene just because you can see a scene in your head doesn't mean your reader is seeing the same thing right and i know i i tend to i rush the story because i can see it in my head and jake's been helping me a lot with that of slowing it down give the details that are necessary now when i think of underwriting there's one scene in one movie in particular that I, and Jake, I told you this the other day, I scream every time. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? That's some bullshit. That's a cop out. I fucking hate when they do that. So, so boy- Brandon, <laughs> since our audience obviously doesn't know what you're talking about, could you please elaborate on this and I- let us know what this movie scene is fucking that has you so heated? Hate it. <laughs> hate it. Spoiler alert. Okay. In the very last Star Wars movie, the Emperor comes back and they're standing there and they're all talking about, oh, the Emperor's, you know, but he come back and they're like, somehow he came back. That's literally what they say. And, and that's I'm, I'm like, what? Like, how? How can you, are you fucking kidding? Like, how did he come back? And they never explain. And I get it. It's Star Wars universe. It's Disney. They probably did that on purpose to open it up for their fucking story or whatever. But I'm like, no, no, that's not okay. That is not okay that you just did that. I, I can't, there's no reasoning for it. Okay. So that being said, Brandon, why, why does that underwriting bother you? Because I want to know how I, as a, I, as a viewer or listener of the story or whatever, and now like, well, how did he come back? What he, and he fell down a shaft in a, and then it blew up. Like, how did he survive that? And there's probably some magical reason behind the force and blah, 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 whatever. But it just gets me going. And I'm like, that's not a valid reason you can't just bring someone back just to bring them back like that's that, that doesn't flow that well you're just doing it just to do it because it's an easy out like now brandon i have to say they do this all the time in like telenovelas and stuff good for them where they where they <laughs> fucking good for them but <laughs> Where they where they bring back characters and really what you're not implying that you don't like the fact that the character was brought back, but just the way it was done, just the way it was handled. I don't. If you bring him back and you do it in a way that it makes sense, fine. Because people in comic books in particular are well known for killing off a character and then somehow they got get brought back. If you can do it and explain it well, it works. But it doesn't always work. Oh, shit. Here comes Chris. This queen is going to come walking in here acting like she owns the space. Hello, Chris. She's not connected yet. <laughs> oh. How you doing? Hi, Chris. Um, I... I... Oh, man. No. No, no, no. I... <laughs> so, I just got to go on my lunch break at work. I had a call. Yay. Two minutes before my lunch break was supposed to start from a woman named Pam. I'm not going to go into the story here, but I'll just say, I've never met a woman who hates women so much as Pam. Wow. I'll tell you after the show. It's it's, it's the story. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It sounds like an interesting story. (laughs) Yes. Now, Chris, that being said, this story, what would be a way to underwrite this story, Chris? There once was a woman named I, Pam who hated everything that didn't have a dick attached to it. The end. Wow. Oh, okay. Wow. What wow. about overwriting? How long would that take if we were to overwrite this this story that you just brought up to us? It would require a full telenovela, but apparently Brandon hates those. So. <laughs> I don't hate telenovelas. I don't hate them. I think that they are so much fun, honestly. I love them because they have such a unique storytelling perspective. Um, 
And since I am diving into unique story perspectives like The Simpsons, telenovelas are right up there. So, See, and I've been encouraging you to watch more movies and and shows because I'm a visual... I'm a visual person, so if I can see it, I can be like, okay, that's that's easier for me to explain, versus the yeah, Jake absolutely. is the other way around where he can read it and just he just knows. I struggle. I I love I I can be a visual learner, but I, for me, like if I j- am just reading something in a book, I can totally have that all set out in my head and know exactly what the the author is talking about. And for me, that works really well. But that's not true for everybody. Um, Which brings me to a point. So recently, this past week, in one of my critique groups, uh, we have... I'm I'm working on rewriting this young adult uh, book that I have been working on for so freaking long. Um, it's one of, it's the first like full length novel that I wrote. Um, and originally it was middle grade and now it's young adult and it's gone through so many revisions. Um, but the main thing that I bring that up for is the fact that I went to great lengths to try to describe this scene, this hunting scene, um, so that people would understand the spacing and the blocking Um, so that everybody would know where these six, uh, hunters were and the prey and all of that. And my, at the end of reading this section, my critique partners basically said, uh, what? (gasps) And I was so mortified. (laughs) I I could see you doing that. Writing a scene with six characters in it is hard enough let alone when they're hunting and throwing you in there. I could definitely throwing me in there is the problem. (laughs) See it being overly written. And so I basically they said cut it down. I want you to make it as simple as possible. Yes. And you know, I am having to lose a lot of what I thought was necessary for the reader to understand. But Given that feedback, I am really excited to cut it down and make it a much simpler version. And hopefully, moving forward, readers will be able to grasp what I'm actually saying. A lot of times you can overwrite, uh, especially in battle scenes. um, This goes the same for sex scenes, too. Um, You can overwrite um, simply because you're trying to fit in every single piece of action. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that goes, if you're, you're overriding, you're going to lose the reader because they're trying to focus on so much of where people are at. And then you're going to lose that emotional aspect of it where that kind of goes to the wayside because you're trying to visualize this person's here. Then off to the left is this person off to the right is this person and they're 20 feet apart and it's, it's blah, blah, blah. Like you lose it. It just naturally, you can't, it's like a, I'm thinking of like in a work context, if you have an email that is four paragraphs, six, seven, however many paragraphs long, and you can get that information and they tell you all this backstory. Well, back in 1975, this is what we used to do. Well, well, I don't give a shit about any of that. I don't fucking care. What do I need to do to do my job right now? What do I need to know to understand the story right now? Just keep it clean. Keep it nice and simple. Keep it, keep it nice and simple and mm-hmm. you need more than a sentence probably but it probably doesn't have to be a three hour long meeting right in person it can be done in an email <laughs> yeah right i mean it's, it's the kiss philosophy yes keep it super simple yes i love it yeah that's how that goes yeah i mean sure there's a couple different ways to say it but that's fine <laughs> i mean i think we've all sat through those meetings where like this could have been an email why why the fuck am I dealing with this? And that's the, and that's the difference between overwriting and underwriting. I totally overwrote that scene and I admit it and it bogged down the story and it didn't have the urgency that that scene needed because it was exciting. It was action filled. 
um, at least in my head it was, until I started saying, well, this one was here and this one was there. And, you know, so we have to uh, really take into account uh, the pacing as well for certain scenes. Uh, it makes a huge difference for whether we are over or underwriting for those scenes. Mm-hmm. If we are in a slow burn, you know, romance novel and you only give me two pages of, you know, angsty flirting, that is just way underwriting. But if I am in the middle of a battle scene and you are giving me 26 pages about each of the soldiers and what position they play in that army, we are way overriding. Right. Um, looking through the comments real quick, Thomas said there was no story to how he came back explaining the film. The books did it in a better way. I'm assuming he's referencing the um, Emperor... I, I'm going to go ahead and feel like that's a safe assumption on that one. That is a safe assumption on that <laughs> one. <laughs> uh, Jason says we are adult here. Uh, I don't know what he's referencing on that. I'm, so. I'm assuming he was uh, referencing uh, <laughs> what Brian was saying earlier. Oh, that makes sense. And then M, this is my new favorite thing. Mildew equals new meeting, my dude. <laughs> it's basically what it sounds like. <laughs> dead. I'm fucking dead with that. And I love it. Chris missed that whole conversation, and it was actually his book that we were reading. <laughs> it was Hold awesome. on now. Hold on. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Chris, you have no idea. We... All it, all it was was Brandon totally mispronounced one of the words. Like so badly that I didn't know what he was trying to say. Wait, hold on. What? You, in your book, in your book, you said mill dude. And I was like, it's mild dude. And, and Jake's like, what? And I was like, mild dude. Oh. And he goes, yeah. you mean mill dude? I'm like, yeah. yeah. Brad and, and I were FaceTiming and I was dying. <laughs> he had to spell it out for me to even know. Ah, so it was Brandon being a fool. About. Very good. Okay. Yes. I, I accept. I accept Brandon's folly. It's fine. I I admit my fullness. I get it. I admit it. Um, <laughs> that is awesome. I love it. <laughs> um, so I want to kind of touch base on one more thing that I kind of mentioned at the very beginning. That overwriting hides your story, but. On the flip side, underwriting doesn't tell a story. Right. And so understanding how much of your story needs to be on the page without all the extras or with the correct amount is really important for us as authors. Um, it's, it's a delicate balance that is not always easy, especially for newer writers um, and but even some seasoned writers have a bit of a hard time with it. Um, it's easy to get caught up in a scene or or in a character and you know give give too much information or not enough information. Um, and I will say that over and underwriting are also very um, uh, timeline based like if if you look back at some of the old classics and stuff especially for me like uh some of the dickens stuff is way 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 overwritten um i i really struggle with it um because i do not need a, a massive you know 10 page description of a tree or something um, it just, it doesn't help the story flow well for me. Although, back have you read Moby time, Dick? Have I what? Have you read Moby Dick? I have read Moby Dick. Because there's the whole chapters on rope and whole chapters yes. on sails. And oh yes. my God. <laughs> you should read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. That. Oh, Jules Verne. Woohoo. Fucking, oh my God. <laughs> Brandon I mean, also, you know, The Hobbit, where there's an entire chapter devoted to describing breakfast. Yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I love the, the, the idea of The Hobbit. Reading it in junior high was not my favorite. It was overwritten in my junior high experience opinion. <laughs> Um, 
there there was a book that I actually read um, when I was much, much younger uh, called Sea Gnomes. And it literally spent probably 40 pages describing um, a coral reef. And I don't even know how my young brain, because I was probably like maybe 13 or 14, how I even got through that and thought that there would be a story on the other side. Um, oh. Overwriting can really inhibit your readers from, oh, M says the Iliad and the Odyssey. Absolutely. Um, oh, 100% on both of those. The, uh, there are so many books out there that are, are um, classics, but are uh, older, shall we say. And they, uh, they definitely have some overwriting done in them. Well, and like you said, that goes to the, the timeline, right? That was the usual back then. Now we've streamlined it more, and it's not, it's not common anymore. It's frowned upon. And and here's the thing. At some point, maybe we will get back to that. And at some point, maybe we will be so, you know, into underwriting that we will, you know, great epic pieces of literature will be, you know, 30 or 40 words long. I don't know. But what I do know is that the story, the plot has to be there. And if your reader can't follow that, we have an issue with one of these two things that we're talking about tonight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's, you need to find that medium. It means Goldilocks and three bears. You need to find it where it's just right. Basically. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I was going to say there are, I have a, a very hard time coming up with things that are underwritten. Um, as, as far as examples go, besides going back to the whole entire, like, uh, certain writers or underwriters and their, uh -huh. their first, second, third drafts might be uh, a little shy of what is standard word count if you're going the traditional route. Um, but I feel also, like he's looking at right at me as he says that. Listen like, to hear you. <laughs> I mean, hear me out. I'm querying a book that's 60,000 words, technically, so... 60,000 words, though, is within range, at least. Um, that's nothing. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's not... That's, that's, that's not one way or the other, Chris. That is that is at least within range for your age group um, to kind of be in. Uh, I'm talking about when we have, a, you know, an epic fantasy that has... Uh, you know, 40,000 words in it. And, and you're sitting there going, wait, what? <laughs> and so to me, at least, that would be a very, uh, very gross underwriting if we are writing an epic fantasy. Yeah, no, that's, that's where you look at it and you go, that's a chapter one, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> chapter one, right? Perfect, Chris, that was awesome. Where's the other half of the book? Like, where's this at? <laughs> um... I uh, underwriting and overwriting can also be down to genre, uh, which is one thing that we haven't uh, kind of touched base on. We've touched base on the under and overwriting for age group, but not necessarily for genre. Um, an epic fantasy can be 120, 150,000 words long and people will eat it up. But if you told somebody that they had, you know, a 150,000 word romance, it oh would nobody nobody would pick that book up because yeah. it's twice as long as it needs to be um and that would be some unless there is a, a the most perfect plot that needs 150,000 words that is some serious overwriting i mean i can't imagine a romance book being that long jason go ahead i keep i keep cutting you off go ahead that's okay. I love the beach for you guys. So, ah, Jason and cute mm -hmm. boys. So, you know. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so my understanding <laughs> is about one hundred twenty thousand words is usually about a typical novel. Um, now it changes obviously depending on um, uh, what you're writing. Obviously, like romance would be different. 
sci-fi or um, fantasy is going to be like biblical proportions. Um, but for a, a typical novel, it's about 120, 140,000 roughing it. Um, I, you know, but there's really, in the end, there's like really no, you know, you know, you know, what the actual number is, you, you know, what you have novellas and novels and, you know, epic, epic, epic books, but, um, <laughs> and you have your distinguishing word counts there. But other than that, I mean, I've only, I, I probably have only been able to hear you guys for about maybe 10 minutes throughout the entire thing. I, I, I would text, I get bumped, I come back, I get bumped, I lose the audio. And then it's like, I, I, I kind of know what's going on, but I kind of don't. So, but you're talking about I word count. Say, I, Jason, I do not feel bad that you did not get great reception because you were sitting on the beach. Yeah, fuck and you. Go for it. Tell us about that. <laughs> well, I came out off the beach. You know, well, it was getting hot too, <laughs> and uh, and I needed a new, new, another drink, so you know, I had to come back oh, for that. Well, then I then I perfect that. reasoning. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I know you guys were talking about underwords and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. I did not mean to imply, and I hope I didn't, that um, your word count is the only reason or way that, that you can overwrite. Um, okay, I guess I'm losing everyone again. <laughs> um, it was good to speak to Jason for a second. Um I think th I think the big things would be that overwriting can happen happen line by line, chapter by chapter. It uh, it can be a um, it can be overwriting a specific character or a specific scene. Um, nobody is immune from overwriting or underwriting on specific things, but that's again why we go back to having critique partners and beta readers um, and. And those types of things. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because it's hard for us as authors sometimes to take a step back and be like, is this actually relevant to the story? And you have to have, you have to be 100% honest with yourself. And it's, especially when you're overriding, like, yeah, I... I would like it in the story, but it's not about me. It's about my reader and how they handle it. They don't need to know this, and it's not relevant. It's it's too much, and I'm going to lose them. So having that open and honest conversation with yourself and your beta readers and so on, I think is a big part of it, too. It's like this section is underexplained. I don't understand what's happening. You've lost me somewhere. Um, and then vice versa. This is There's too much. You lose me. I lose interest. And if you've got a scene like that, be honest. If you're beta, re beta reading for somebody, be honest where you're saying, I, you know what, you've lost me here somewhere, and I don't know, or like in this paragraph, this is, I don't find it necessary for the story. Uh-oh, Jake's dogs must be barking. They are barking. I am so sorry, everyone. They just are on a kick right now, and not everybody is home. So I am the babysitter, or the puppy sitter, as it should be. Um, Kathleen said that overwriting has made her put a book down and not finish. And I will absolutely agree. Um, I, I can probably handle underwriting slightly more tolerably than I can overwriting. Yeah, I agree. I, I find over, overwriting to be, um, it, it's just so hard to follow the story. I mean, it's um, because underwriting, you can kind of mentally fill in the gap yourself. Like, if you have enough context, you can sort of fill in the pieces that you need to satisfy your own mind. Overwriting is just exhausting to read. It, well, and it, it, it's... Do you, Chris, I'm going to ask, do you mean that as a writer or as a reader? As a reader, like, I've read books where there wasn't a lot of detail to work with. Mm. But, I mean, hear me out, I'm also deranged, so that might just be me. Um, but like, I just filled in the void myself. I'm like, all right, I know this is a, this is a character, uh, just mental image go, just make, make something up. We'll fill in the gaps mentally as we read. And I can deal with that. And like, 
like it's not satisfying because you want the detail that's not there and if it's it's like you're reading half a story right but like i can cope with that and get through it but like overwritten scenes like i'm sorry i don't want to sit here for four pages and read about you you brushing your hair i don't care about your hair that much that four pages later you're still doing it i i i agree with that i would say if it's, you have to be careful with underwriting, though, because you don't want your reader to have a visual image of the scene, and then you're changing it all of a sudden because you've added a detail or something like that. That you need to make sure you're putting that. If, if something's going to be in a scene at one point, you need to make sure it's mentioned very early on so the yeah, reader understands the scene that it's there. Right. Absolutely. So. Um, but yeah, it's because like I've read books that. Even, I, to be fair, I've also read books that underwritten. I just never finished. Like, I'm not going to name and shame the book, um, mostly because I forgot what it's called, and that tells you how bad <laughs> an impression I left. Um, but I picked up a book uh, a few months ago, started reading it, and it's written in the form of super short, choppy chapters. And when I say short and choppy, like two pages. Oh, Wow. Oh. And then it shifts, and I'm like, "There's it, it. It's so underwritten in the chapters. I can't keep track of what's going on between the page breaks, and it's just obnoxious to read. I'm like, there's not enough story here for me to care about the other 58 chapters this book has and like 70,000 words. So basically, each chapter is like a scene. If that half of them read is like half a scene, where like something would start and then it would switch over to another chapter. And, like, back and forth chapters, like, short chapters for perspective can be fine. Like, I'm doing that with my project Dead Named, where, like, it swaps back and forth between character perspectives. But, like, you have to give enough story in that perspective and in that time frame mm -hmm. to transition you over to the next one. If you're just saying event starts to happen and then cutscene. Okay, well, now I'm stumbling. Like, it, it literally feels like mentally stumbling over the scenes trying to figure out what's going on because there's no transition it's 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 dreadful it, it leaves you as a reader hanging and and also um kind of up against a brick wall so to speak until you jump into the next scene with them and the transition points that you mention are so big especially for those people that can be underwriters um obviously that is a definitely a way to bulk up your story so to speak um is if we don't have the transitions from scene to scene to scene um it it really leaves us lacking really yes. puts us in a bind as a reader yes it does well jake that hour went by extremely quickly yeah <laughs> i uh, extremely quickly um i do want to take note and congratulate give ourselves a pat on the back we got a new download this past week from a new country jake what was that country that started has started listening to us actually there's uh, two i believe there's two. Oh, um i Maybe know one, one is malaysia yes malaysia so hello to our listeners in malaysia and the other one was france Oh, yes, France. And we got like two or three from them. So that yeah. was awesome. So we're, we're quite happy with that. And you guys don't forget to go on to Podbean or wherever and like us and comment. We'd love to see that kind of stuff coming back. We're hitting some pretty steady build on our, our following. And that's what we want because the more of us there are, the more knowledge we can share. And it makes it easier on everyone. That's the other thing, Brandon, is that we passed 200 followers on the block. Oh, that's a big accomplishment. Yay! <laughs> Which we want to celebrate. Hooray! Um, I Again, we appreciate you guys so much. Uh, we do this for you. Hopefully it is helpful. We are so excited to see everybody each week. And um, it has been a fun time. It's always a fun time. It's always a fun, fun Wednesday. Jake and I put a lot of effort into this show and... We'll, we'll see where it goes. Who knows? Maybe this this might be it. And you know what? If this is all it leads to, I'm perfectly fine with that. I'm happy Likewise. with it. Um, Brandon, what is our topic for next week? Next week, so let me double check because I want to make sure I'm right, which I probably am not. <laughs> that is, I'm, usually, I'm usually wrong. 
That's a false statement. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about support. Oh, so. I am... Oh, this is a subject that is so near and dear to my heart as far as writers go because it is can be so lonely out there as writers and feeling um, like family or friends don't support you or think of it as, you know, just a hobby or something you do to pass time. And oh, I hate that. Know, I hate that. And so I hate I, that. I oh, so it's a good weekend project. No, fuck you. It's not a weekend project. No. <laughs> this is I'm not going to write a book thing. in a weekend. This took me two years. <laughs> right? So I hope all of you will join us next week as we talk about having support in this difficult industry. Yes. So, all right. Well, thank you, everyone. Hopefully everyone has a good week, and we will hear you all next Wednesday. I'll Goodbye. See you. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.